this morning, I want to talk about something about weathering the storms of life. I mean, all of us will face the storm of life. Just because we are Christian doesn't mean that we are exempted. Okay, we do not receive a get-out-of-jail-free card when we become Christian. So, how do we face the storms of And I'm going to uh, use a minor prophet, Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 17. And as an introduction, okay, just, I mean, you don't need a reminder, isn't it? We know that we're in a pandemic. But as I shared before, a pandemic reveals, reveals things that have been hidden so long. A pandemic removed and reset. And this pandemic has actually brought to light how broken we are. How broken is our uh, financial economic situation that we are living on borrowed money. Okay. I mean, some of us have bought a number of houses Two houses, three houses. Okay, those who work in Singapore, you know, the exchange rate is good. So we have two houses, two cars. Now we cannot. Some of us have been retrenched, and now we have to pay the loan. Okay, and then the bank will come and possess our things if we don't pay. So it shows the brokenness. It shows the brokenness of our political system. It shows the brokenness of ourselves. And it shows the brokenness of many churches that we have been worshipping the wrong thing. And in the brokenness, many churches will close. And that is what the pandemic is about. The pandemic shows that we are in a house, we are building our life in a house of cards. The virus didn't do that. It's already broken. The virus only revealed this brokenness. And the virus took away the props that we've been building to prop up the system. That's why it all come falling down. This Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. So what do we do now? What do we do to survive? This pandemic. And this morning I want to share with you, Zephaniah. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And uh, Eugene Peterson in the message says, Jerusalem we told, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, dear Zion. Don't despair. Okay, because the context is that during that time, the Babylonians were invading the country. Okay? The Babylonians are actually sitting outside the gate. Don't be afraid. Don't despair. Your God is present among you. 
a strong warrior there to save you. Because it was war, it was invasion. That's why he said God is a strong warrior. They're happy to have you back. He'll calm you with love and delight you with his songs. That is Zephaniah. Okay, whoops. Now, just we are, many of us are not familiar with the minor prophets. Okay? Uh, there are six major prophets and 12 minor prophets. The reason they are minor prophets is not that they are not important. They are minor prophets is that their uh, books are very short. Maybe some of them two chapters, three chapters. That's why they are called minor prophets. The major prophets are one with 30, 40 chapters. Okay? So we have three minor prophets and all of them have a special purpose. That's why I have this uh, nice little uh, cartoon here to help you to see, because we're often very confused. Who is who? Okay. If you start from the top uh, right, you see that uh, all of them are holding a staff. That's why they're prophets. Okay. And then you see, on top right, you see there's a woman running in front. That's Hosea. And a wife, Omer. Gomer is Hosea's wife, and he loved her. But Gomer is a, was a prostitute and was not faithful. But God says, marry her and love her to show that God loved Israel and Judah, who have not been faithful to him. And that is what Hosea about. Fidelity, faithfulness, that God loves you. Love Israel and Judah even though they have not been faithful. The next guy to him, you can see that the locust, okay, the locust on his around him. Okay, that's Joel. Joel is you have the locust because at that time there was a, a plague of locusts. And when the locusts come, they actually eat up everything. So the land was barren. And that, Joel says, that's the, the sign that God is coming. There will be destruction first before God comes. Next to Joel is the guy with the sheep. You can see there's a sheep in front of him. That's Amos. Amos is a sheep breeder. And the hand is holding olives. He also cultivated olives. And Amos is talking about God is going to discipline Israel unless and until they turn to him. Okay. And then next to him you see Obadiah, which is the shortest uh, uh, book in the Old Testament, only 41 verses. And he's holding the sign, says, No Edon. Okay. Edon is a nation that is a descendant of Esau. Okay. When he first appeared, you know, when Moses was leading the people out of Exodus, the Edomites refused to let them go past a land. Okay. So they have to go around Edon. So there's always 
enmity between Israelites and Edomites. But here, Obadiah was saying that the Edomites actually side with the Babylonians. So it's a curse on the Edomites. And of course, you see the fish. Okay, that's Jonah. Okay, everybody knows Jonah. Even my granddaughter says, Yeah, Jonah, I, I know the story. Don't tell, tell me, uh, Kong Kong. You know, fish eat the man, fish go put the man out on the beach. Okay, so, there's a story of Jonah. Jonah asked to go to Nineveh. Okay. And he spent, he was swallowed by a fish, not a whale. And for three days, he remained in the fish. I believe that Jonah actually died in the fish. And he was resurrected. So that he can. That's why the sign of Jonah, Jesus says the sign of Jonah. And he went to Nivell, and Nivell repented. Okay, so that was one of the nations. Then you can see the guy right at the edge. Okay, that's Micah. Micah is naked. Okay, God says, take out your clothes and walk around. Okay, nowadays we call it flashing. But take out your clothes because we want, I want to show Israel that you will be humiliated by the Babylonians. And that's what humiliation is. That you walk around naked. Your shame for all to see. Another prophet also will be asked to do that. Isaiah, to walk around naked. And then we look at the lower part, you see that again, another person holding a sign. The sign that says, Nivel, Niwah. Okay, so that means the country didn't repent, you know, even though Jonah, they repented Jonah, but after that, they went back their old ways. So that was a condemnation on that country. And then after that, the next to it is Habakkuk. Habakkuk holding a harp because he is a psalmist and he's a musician. So he, he uh, wrote music for temple worship. So you have worship, you have judgment. And then you see next to him is Zephaniah. Zephaniah, a judge with the weak and the hammer. And Zephaniah was condemning that Israel and Judah are not worshipping the correct God. They have gone astray, so they will be judged. <clears throat> then next to Zephaniah is Haggai. You see Haggai with the hammer and the, uh, <clears throat> the planks at the bottom? He's Haggai is telling the people, hey, you, God bring you back. You're supposed to build the temple. How come you're not building the temple? So he encouraged them to build the temple. And then next to that is Zechariah. And Zechariah, you can see the drawing. You know, he's a bit like Ezekiel. He sees flying scrolls and olive trees and angels. 
And that is the vision of God's coming. And then the last uh, minor prophet is Micah. Micah, you can see that there's money here. Micah's prophet's uh, function is to accuse the priests of not being honest with the money given to them. And accuse the people of not paying their tithes. So you see, all the minor prophets have a role, have a role to play, have a role in the history. And this is just to show you the timeline of the minor prophets. You find that uh, Zephaniah, who we'll be talking about, will be around the time of Josiah. Josiah is actually a good king. He was the one who started reform. Reforms in the worship, the temple, uh, uh, cult, the temple system. And this was during the time of Babylon. You can see that Zephaniah, okay, about the same time as uh, Nahun and Habakkuk. And if you go on, you can see that, just to give you an idea, that you find the Zephaniah is actually a contemporary of Jeremiah. Okay, so Zephaniah, Jeremiah are in the southern kingdom, Judah. Okay, you can see that the Assyrian exile, exile on the northern kingdom in 722 BC, and then the Babylonian exile with the destruction of the temple in 586 BC. So you see, that is where Zephaniah is. So this morning, we're going to talk about weathering the storm of life. And I just want to make three points. You brave the storm. How do we brave the storms? How do we brave the storms of life? And how do we develop a resilient spirit through the storm of life? And how do we rejoice in the Lord when we are going through the storms of life? As I said, Christians are not exempted from the storms of life. Zephaniah, okay, knowing that he's one of the minor prophets and during the time of Babylonian's invasion, I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both men and beasts. I will sweep away the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and the idols that cause the wicked to stumble when I destroy all mankind on the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I mean, that is a very powerful prophecy that God will destroy everything. And the people who are here, Zephaniah's prophecy was are being surrounded by Babylonians okay, and invaded by the armies of Babylon. And they did, the armies destroy everything they see. They burn the villages. They kill the men. Okay? They rape and enslave the women. And that, in that destruction, you can see that Zephaniah is saying, God says, I will destroy all mankind. Why? Why is God saying that? God is saying that because the 
people has turned away. The people of Judah and Israel has turned away from the worship of the one true God. Yes, they still have the temple. They are still worshipping God. They are still going to the temple regularly. But they are also worshipping other gods. Okay. The god of Canaan, Baal, okay. and Esteroth, in the high places. They are still there. They didn't destroy them. They will go and visit, uh, worship Baal, and then after that, they will go to the temple to do their, their rituals. So that people are still committing adultery, idolatry. And what is worse is the major uh, god in Israel and Judah at that time was Madok which is the god of the Babylonians. Madok is the chief god, most powerful god. So powerful, in fact, that as history goes, when the Romans took over, Madok's name became Jupiter. So you see that in Corinth, you know, Paul's time talked about temple of Jupiter, temple of Apollos. So Madok was still around. And one of the archaeological findings is that there was a statue of Madoc, which was a big face and a mouth. And behind the mouth is a furnace. And what the worship of Madoc involved is human sacrifice. They will fire up the furnace and people will throw their children into the mouth. And you say that, yeah, that's bad. But the Israelites are doing that. The princes, okay, the Bible says, the princes of Israel and Judah are sacrificing their children to Madoc. Now you understand why God is so angry. And, you know, what about us now? Okay. Can we say that God is angry and caused a pandemic? Well, we, in many ways, uh, we are also worshipping false God, only different name. Okay. Money, fame. We are, there are still racialism and sexuality problems. The way, our way of life is actually very chaotic now. About three days ago, I was attending a webinar on uh, sexual dysphoria. Okay. It's about sexuality. In the past, we have male and female. Okay? Male and female only. Two. Now, the medical definition is that there are 26 Sex. That means not only male and female, but 26 in between. Okay. And homosexuality becomes a preference. And if you look, it becomes so much a way of life that we don't blink anymore. And if you look at any TV series or anything, 
there will always be a homosexual or gay person as a character. So that is what the next step is uh, transgender. Okay. And the speaker was saying that there's this 16-year-old girl in Australia. 16-year-old, she was born a girl and she decided that she doesn't want to be a girl. She wants to be a boy. And she went to the doctors and says, okay, I want to be a boy. And the doctor started her on hormone treatment. 16 years old. And uh, some Christian counselors tried to counsel her that maybe she should wait and see. And this went to the court. And the court says, Nobody can try to dissuade some anybody from he wants to become our opposite sex. They call he says sexual uh, conversion is not legal. So if you have a 16-year-old girl that wants to be a, a a girl that wants to be a boy, if you try to counsel her, you can be arrested and put in jail for 15 years. So, that is the world today. So, is God judging us? Fallen leaders, Bill Hybers from Willow Creek uh, Community Church. I, I met Bill about uh, more than 10 years ago. And when I was starting his church as a special formation community. He has been convicted or he has been accused of sexual harassment. And that has brought him down and his church. Yeah, I, I, I actually don't know whether he is guilty or not, but that is what's happening. Ravi Zacharias, okay, who died a, a few uh, months ago, now has been accused of sexual harassment. I met Ravi a, a few years ago when we were speaking in Indonesia. I find him a very upright gentleman. I do not know whether the harassment is... But then, you see, all the things are falling apart. The church, the society. So is God judging us? Is a pandemic part of it? I, I read this book... Uh, uh, anti-right, God and the pandemic. And I, I, I find that what he says is very true. He says that it's not our place to say whether God is judging us or not. Okay. It's not our place to say that. That is God's prerogative. The pandemic is happening and our role is to live through the pandemic. The best way we can. So don't worry too much about what uh, is God is still judging us, but worry about how do we face the storms of life. Pandemic is one, but other uh, things that we face, okay, we find that the most stress, this is a study done, a survey done, the stressful events in our life is the date of a spouse. And that is very stressful. 
those who have gone through it knows how stressful it is. Especially the one who left behind. Divorce, marital separation, jail term. These are the stressful events of life. Death of a close family member. Personal injury or illness. These are the things that we all go through, whether we like it or not. As we grow older, the more illnesses we have. So this is a storm of life. Being fired at work. Retirement. Change in health of family members. Business readjustment. These are all the storms of life that we have to face or we'll be facing. So, Friedrich Bauchner, in his book, a very interesting book, uh, talks about, here is the world, beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. So even as Christian, storms will come. Don't be afraid. Don't get over it. Okay? You always people say, get over it. Get over it means you try to avoid it, you don't think about it, you suppress it. That's not the way we are to approach the storm. Don't get, but to get through it. Don't get over it, get through it. That means we live through the grief, we live through the pain. That's the way to go through the storm of life. Don't try to ignore it, avoid it. Go through it. Life is beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Go through it. So that's the first point. Brave the storm. Brave the storm. Okay? Don't avoid it. Go through it. Then the second thing is about developing a resilient spirit. Okay, you have a storm, but how do we survive it? How do we go through it? We need to have a resilient spirit. Zephaniah chapter 3 says, Therefore, therefore, because before that, all these things, therefore wait for me, declares the Lord. For the day I will stand up to testify. I've decided to assemble the nation, to gather the kingdoms, and pour out my wrath on them all, my fierce anger. The whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. God says, I will work in the world. I will see justice done. I will see the exploited freed. I will be here. Wait for me. And that is an important point. That God will be working in the world. God works in the world. I always come back to this painting by Rembrandt. You know, uh, Jer- the prophet Jeremiah mourning over the destruction of Jerusalem. You can see that uh, this painting, if you can see quite clearly, here is Jerusalem burning. There's a man here, okay? Uh, the king Zechariah. Uh, the man that's kneeling on his knees, with rubbing his eyes. Why is he rubbing his eyes? Because before 
he was caught by King Nebuchadnezzar. And he brought, King Nebuchadnezzar brought all his uh, children before him. And he killed them in front of his, him. And then he gorged off his eyes. So that the last thing he see is the death of his children. So you see the destruction of Jerusalem, Jeremiah, depressed, no? And here, the book, Biblio, suspect that, that the book of Jeremiah, go, go from the uh, temple and the well. So Jer- Prophet Jeremiah is mourning. And if you look at the book of Jeremiah, you find that the book of Jeremiah ends with uh, n- not a very good ending. We, we all love good endings, isn't it? We love books with good endings. And Eugene Peterson says, you know, Jeremiah ends inconclusively. Okay, he, he says that, you know, it's inconclusive. We want, we want to know the end, but there's no end. The last scene of Jeremiah's life show him as he spent most of his life preaching God's word. Okay, that means Jeremiah has been doing that all through his life. Preaching God's word to the contemptuous people. We, we, actually, we say, you know, we want to read the book that says that it will end well. Because he obeyed God, surely it will, will be a good ending. Or or you find that if the guy didn't obey God, then he end badly. You want to know that if he was fully unsuccessful, that then since the life of faith and integrity doesn't pay off, you can get on with finding another means by which to live. Neither we find that in the book of Jeremiah. He doesn't get married. He doesn't get shot. Okay, he got kidnapped to Egypt, which he doesn't want to go. They should tie him to the mule. In Egypt, the place he doesn't want to be with the people who treat him badly. Yet, Jeremiah continues, continues determinedly faithful, magnificently courageous, heartlessly rejected, a towering life, terrifically lived. So Jeremiah continue, in spite of all the storms of life, to preach, to teach, to be faithful, and the love of people who doesn't love him. His own people, you know, they try to kill him so many times. So what is the secret of Jeremiah? How, can, how did he develop such a resilient spirit? Now you look at this painting. All the, all the exiles in Babylon, they were sitting by the riverside, by the rivers of Babylon. Then we sat down and yes, we wept when we remember Zion. Yeah, so it's a painting of all the exiles in Babylon itself, sitting by the river. And they hang their harps and they were depressed. And they says, how can we go on living now? And the Babylonians are actually quite nice to them. It says, sing, sing us a song of your homeland. And we say, how can we sing of Zion in this land? Okay, we are so depressed. 
How can we sing of God's goodness in this land? And what he's telling is that what Jeremiah wrote to them. Okay, this is Jeremiah back in Judah. He wrote to the people who had been exiled and says, and this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to all those I, those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your son and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I carry you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prosper, you too will prosper. So to develop a resilient spirit is not to just hang around and say, oh, woe is me. The storm of life, you know, why am I so unlucky? Why can't I be, you know, like this person who doesn't have any problem at all? A resilient spirit is developed when you go through life. You go through the storm. As you go through the storm, you become stronger. And that is what Jeremiah is telling the exiles. Be where you are. Bloom where you are grown where you are planted, develop where you are. That's how you develop a resilient spirit. And then, finally, rejoice in the Lord. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saved. That makes sense now, because it's a mighty warrior against the Babylonians. God will take great delight in you. That means God will forgive you. Even though you have been unfaithful, God will forgive you and he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice with you with singing. Habakkuk at though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the wines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no field, no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle, in the stores. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Okay, so, rejoice in the Lord. Through the storm, develop a resilient spirit. I met this lady. Okay, she was one of my students in one of the uh, uh, STM uh, theological extension class. And she shared her story with me, and uh, I encouraged her to write the book. And she wrote the book and published the book. Okay. She, she was in UK doing a PhD in engineering when she met this handsome Brazilian man. And they got married. Okay. And they have, uh, uh, initially have a, uh, one girl. Then she graduates and she starts working while the husband keeps on uh, uh, still studying. And uh, the husband is one of those professional students who doesn't want to graduate. So she earns all the money and he enjoys himself. Then she gets pregnant again. Yeah, but the husband says, oh, don't, we don't want another child. Get, a, get, a, get it aborted. 
but she, she's a Christian. So she said, no. So that affects their relationship. So it, it become quite bad. And the husband said, I want to move back to Brazil. So she says, okay, we'll, we'll go to Brazil. And there she was in Brazil, a Chinese girl who doesn't speak the language, have no friends, okay, with a husband. And the husband rejected her. And the husband poisoned the in-laws, her in-laws. So they rejected her. So she was all alone. And then the husband divorced her. And she came back to Malaysia. Yeah, and the family rejected her. So that was tough. Okay. And then her son developed liver failure. And she went from doctor to doctor, and the doctor says she will need a liver transplant. You know, liver transplant in Malaysia is almost impossible. Then the in-law came over and says, oh yeah, why, why don't you come to Brazil? We asked the, I will ask my son, the father, to donate part of his liver. Now you can actually donate part of your liver, okay, so, and you'll be okay. So they all went to Brazil, which is actually not easy. You have to get a visa and all that. But they arrived there, and after they arrived there, the father says, no, I don't want to donate. Okay, and the son went into liver failure and died there. And she says, that's the most terrible time of my life. They can't even bring the body back. So the son was buried in Brazil. And then she came back. And she went through a tough period. She even suicidal at time. But through friends and all that, she begins to rebuild her life. And she, she, she told me, Alex, I think even during the most difficult part of my life, even though during the deepest part of my life, I can feel God's presence. I can try to rejoice in God's presence. And I know my son is with God now. Okay. So, Rejoice when you have hard times. So I actually endorse the book by writing that this is the indomitable spirit, human spirit, that have gone through so much hardship and yet able to rejoice in the Lord. Zephaniah continues, and at that time I will gather you at that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortune before your very eyes, says the Lord. So the Lord will receive us back even though we have sinned. Okay. So when we talk about resilience, we talk about the storms of life. We will all go through the storm of life. We have to develop a resilient spirit to go through the storm of life. And God will walk with us. So I want to leave you with this rule of six. Living well through the next six months. Okay, I got this from the 
uh, Diocese of uh, Oxford Anglican Church. Now, last time we didn't tend to talk about 10-year plan, 20-year plan. Now, let's stick to six months first. If we survive after six months, then we can talk about another six months. Okay, so what are you going to do for the next six months? Okay, six months is a new horizon. Okay, six months will be Easter. Now, if we can survive to Easter, then we'll be okay. Okay, so let's try to survive to Easter. Okay, so let's pray to survive to Easter. Six days to work and a Sabbath to rest. Okay, let's continue to work wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. Okay, and uh, pray that all of us will have work to uh, work to to work, have a job to work. Okay, those who are looking for jobs, pray that the Lord will give you a job. Six people to journey with. I think that is very important. Okay, six people to journey with. Okay, you have your cell group. That's good. If you don't have, you know, get gather six people to, to walk together because we need each other. I think at times like this, people who get, we need each other to help us to get through. Six ways to be sought and light. Find six ways that you can help other people to be the sort and light. Because not everybody is as well off. Okay? There are things that you can share. There are people you can help. Please help them. I think that's important. 6% to the church. Okay? Continue giving to the church. I think it's good. Okay? 6%, maybe more. But 6% to the church. And six people to pray for. Now, this is the rule of six. Pray for at least six people for the next six months. Can you do that? I'm sure you can. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this time, Lord, this time to consider your word from Zephaniah, one of the minor prophets that we don't read often. To consider our times in this pandemic, consider the storms of life that we all go through. How do we build a resilient spirit? And we how to learn to rejoice in you through the storms of life. Father, it's not easy. It's not easy to go through the storm of life. But we know that we can do it because you are with us. Because our brothers and sisters are with us. We have one another. Father, be with us, Lord. Be with us as we go through the storm of life. In Jesus' name we pray.